This morning we're going to look at the second chapter, the first ten verses, and that should be uh, up on the screen behind me. Galatians chapter 2. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles." James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here's how you can remember everything that that uh, Paul is speaking about here. I love how God just brought this together. So today is the Portland Marathon downtown. So, you know, that's the first point. Don't run the race in vain. We can run this marathon and be running in vain, but don't run your race in vain. Then the second is this, you know, World, world uh, All Nations Heritage Day, that the gospel goes out not just to Jewish people, but Gentiles, the whole known world, and then the last line, all they ask was to continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What is faithful friends except a way to remember the poor, to remember, remember the widow and the orphan and to serve? So that's, God brought that all together uh, this morning. And we're going we're gonna to talk about not running in vain. Just like, just like Paul is saying, we're going to walk through this, <clears throat> this passage together and what it means to live your life with purpose and with meaning, to live a life that, that makes a difference for God's kingdom. When, uh, when I was in college, I was really into, really into running. And, you know, that's, I love picking up this language that Paul has. I was on this uh, cross-country team, and we won the national championships in 2000 for Division three schools, for the small schools, you know. But we, we got to have a championship banquet, which was really fun. The president of the college came, and we could invite our family and friends and everyone. We got to have a nice dinner. And there was an open mic during the banquet where anybody could come up and, and say a few words. Well, for a couple of weeks beforehand, I had been writing a song secretly that I wanted to share with, with everyone. And I wrote, it, I wrote lyrics to the tune of Bye Bye Miss American Pie. If anybody you know, remembers, that, remembers that song. I know there's 
other, you know, Weird Al Yankovic people like myself that like to write lyrics to songs that already exist. So I got up there in front of everyone, and I had, I had like seven or eight verses just like that song. I mean, I went on forever, but the, I don't remember any of that. But what I remember is the chorus, and what I sang was, Hello to the nation's acclaim. When you put the Lord above all else, there's no one to blame. And good old boys set the stage for this game, singing, running for the Lord, not in vain. Running for the Lord, not in vain. Hey, okay, I, I can't believe that I still remember that, you know, 19 years later. But it's a, it's, I must have been inspired by this, by this passage. I, I didn't, you know, maybe wasn't thinking about it at the time, but what does it mean to run for the Lord? To run for Him? To not, you know, all this energy, think of all the time that it takes to, to run our race. Think about this wonderful metaphor that we all, we all kind of understand. It's part of our language all the time. People always say, well, life's, life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we always think about, oh, we got to get to the finish line of this project. And Paul is just saying that he, he wanted to know that he wasn't running in vain. He doesn't want the church that he's writing to to run their, their race in vain. All this work, everything that we've gone through, to not have it be in vain. What he's saying is that he wants these people to run free. To run free. To, to run with Jesus. And to make your life count for something. To make it count in, in God's kingdom. And then... And then what, what Paul does is he tells us how to run. How to run our race so that it counts in God's kingdom. And the first thing he says is, if you're going to run your race, run in grace. If you're going to run your race, run in grace. He continues this story. You know, the first uh, verses, verses 1 through 4 here, he's continuing this story that we looked at last week. And what he's talking about is how he went up to Jerusalem, and this actually became known as the Jerusalem Council. And he was going, even though he had been working for Jesus for 14 years, he went to, the, to these other apostles and he said, you know, are we all on the same page here, guys? Are we preaching the message that Jesus gave us to preach? And he came out of there and he had a resounding yes. That what was being preached to Jewish people in Jerusalem was the same message that he was preaching to Gentiles that were scattered all over the Roman Empire. And that question was really about, you know, can you follow Jesus? Can you be a disciple of Jesus without becoming Jewish first? And, you know, that's maybe not a question we ask today, but what we do ask is, do you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to be a follower of Jesus? Do you have to keep all the rules and regulations and that's a question that's very relevant to what we are. The question in their time was about circumcision. Whether man needed to be circumcised because it represented the, the history of Judaism. And it represented you know, being God's uh, chosen people. But now in Jesus, God was opening the floodgates and was welcoming all of his children home. And they... 
they became um, all on the same page about that. That no, uh, we, we don't need to be circumcised. We don't need to uh, fall, jump through all these hoops. But that we should trust in Jesus and what he's done. We should celebrate his good news. So what does this mean for us today? What does it mean for us to run free? To run for Jesus? To not have our, our race be in vain? Well, how many people are turned off from church today because they think that it's a place full of people that are holier than thou? You know, people that think they're, they're better than everybody else. People that think, oh, I've really got my life together. And, uh, and you know, you're going to have to get, get, get it together before you become part of this community. Uh, there was a survey a few years ago about, you know, what do young people think about Christians? And, you know, I would like them to think that we are all about faith and hope and love, that that would be the most common things that they said. But unfortunately, the most common things that they said were that Christians are judgmental, they're anti-homosexual, and they're too political. Those were the top three things in the survey. And people think, a lot of churches operate this way. A lot of churches think, well, if you behave and you believe like us, then we will let you belong and be part of this community. But what we're doing here at Park Lane flips that around. That anybody can come and can belong. Can have a place where they have people that have their back, where they have people that are family to them, where they have people that they can step out of loneliness and into relationships. That they can have a space to belong no matter what they're going through no matter what their background is, no matter what their race is, no matter their station of life, that they can belong. And then when we start to belong, God, God does something in us and he brings faith. He brings that belief. And then that leads to a changed life, to changed behavior. That God is working on all of us with our issues, with our sin, with our hang-ups, and that he brings the faith. And that leads to a changed life. So it's belong, believe, and then behave. In verse 4, Paul mentions these, these brothers, these, these false brothers, these spies that are coming in. And that is just people that don't get it. People that don't get it. People that are focusing on the wrong things. They can't imagine that you can live your life with this kind of freedom. And yet, Paul writes somewhere else that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think that being a Christian is about following the rules so that you can't go to you can't go to movies, you can't dance, you can't have a glass of wine. Basically, you can't do anything fun. And yet, what Paul says sets that whole thing in a new context, that the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about all these outward things. It's about God renewing our hearts, making us like Jesus. 
It's about the gospel. He mentions the gospel four times in just these short verses. That good news. That good news that we sing about every Sunday. That that good news that we proclaim. That Jesus has taken our place on the cross. That he's taken away our sin and our regret and our shame. And he's made us new people so that we're accepted in God's sight. And when we hear the gospel afresh, when we experience it, we become people of thankfulness. No matter what we're going through, we become people of gratitude who think that God would choose me, that God would lay down his life for me, that Jesus would go to the cross for me. That's what changes us. That's what makes us new. That is what the kingdom of God is about. So if you, if you don't want to run your race in vain, run in grace. Run in grace. Run in freedom. Walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. Don't, uh, don't you love that? The, there's a new song that's on the radio where he says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. That's a picture of the gospel. We're just, we're not, we're nobody special. We're not better than anyone else. But God has chosen us. And we get to go out there and share the message of Jesus, of this somebody with the world. It's like I said a couple weeks ago. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. These guys were trying to add on to what Jesus has done. And the gospel doesn't do that. So the second thing that Paul talks about in verses 7 through 10 is he talks about if you want to have a life that counts, if you don't want to run your, your race in vain, run for other people. You know, take yourself out of the center and bless other people. There's so much selfishness that's around us all the time. And yet, when our hearts are changed by the gospel, we, we want to serve people. We want to give to others. They, they, they figure out in these three verses that it's the same gospel that they're preaching. That grace is being poured out on Paul as he shares the message with the Gentiles. And this is a fulfillment of what Jesus said before he was taken back up to heaven in Matthew 28. You know, go therefore to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what these guys did then in taking the gospel to the known world, it continues today. And it goes forward even after 2,000 years. It's incredible. Aren't, aren't you glad that you don't have to be a certain nationality to follow Jesus? Aren't you glad that Paul stood up for the true gospel? Uh, you know, it's not some religious judgy imitation, but it's the true gospel that can go out to anyone. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter if we're rich or we're poor. I'm so thankful that Jesus isn't limited to certain groups or that I have to qualify. Jesus has done all that for me and for you. And isn't it amazing to live 
in 2019 and to think about our community and our city. You know, a hundred years ago, if we wanted to to meet someone face to face and share the gospel with them that had never heard it, we went overseas. Today, the world is coming to us and we have neighbors, many of whom are already Christians. Isn't it cool that we get to celebrate with groups like the Arabic Assembly of God that worship Jesus just like we do and we're brothers and sisters with them? And yet many people coming here don't know Jesus and we have the opportunity to share the good news with them. Earlier this year, the Christian Reformed Church that we're a part of, uh, I got to go to a conference in Los Angeles and it was called the Glocal Conference. Global and local together making, inventing new words. Glocal. Because that's the world that we live in, right? It's global, but it's also local. And I, we got to demonstrate this last week at the Rockwood United Worship 4. Uh, thank you guys so much, those that came out to that and helped with that on Sunday night. What a beautiful, diverse gathering of believers right here in our neighborhood, worshiping one Lord, Jesus Christ. And the, the speaker, uh, the preacher, Leroy Barber, he reminded us that the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. And why were they called Christians there? Because Antioch didn't know what to do with them. Here's a group of rich and poor, black and white, slave and free, male and female, and they're all worshiping together. And so they had to come up with a new name for these people because they didn't even know what to call them. You know what their slogan was? Keep Antioch weird. Isn't that... (laughs) Isn't that, so, isn't that so cool? That's where that comes from. Keep Antioch weird. They were keeping Antioch weird because never before had a group like that come together. But they did it because Jesus reaches out to all different types of people. And early, early Christian writers you know, wrote to the world about what God was doing. And it just blew everyone's mind because they... Um, They took care of people that weren't part of their tribe. They were poor, but they made many rich. They they were dishonored and they were slandered by people, and yet they blessed them right back. One early writer said, They marry like everyone else, and they have children, but they do not expose their offspring. Because it was a time, just like today, where people killed their children or they left them out to die. We have abortion today. We had infanticide then. And yet Christians didn't do that. They loved their children, and even other children, they adopted and they brought them in. This line is interesting. They share their food, but not their wives. They didn't pass the women around. They stayed faithful to, to one wife for their lifetime. And yet... Those who hated them are unable unable to give a reason for their hostility. When people cursed them, they just blessed them right back. And that's what changed the world. That was this countercultural community that Paul's talking about. And we get a little taste of that at Park Lane. We are a family, and we watch out for each other. We take care of each other. We bring meals to each other. We send cards. We walk with each other through the tough times of life through the death and the divorce and the mourning and the pain. 
in a world where that's a lot of talk, we back it up and we walk with people. In, uh, you know, Lily and I, we were driving around this neighborhood and, and uh, we were driving uh, just down Gleason yesterday and, we, and I made a joke because there was tons of cars in a strip club. It, it, isn't it sad that the churches are closing down and the strip clubs are full of people? In a neighborhood filled with that, you know, I've got little sisters in Christ and I've got older sisters in Christ that walk alongside me. In a neighborhood that's crying out for mentorship, I've got little brothers in Christ that I can mentor and I've got big brothers in Christ that can mentor me. And you're all in this room. This is what the world needs for us to act like Christians, to walk alongside them. When we live like this, when we live in grace, when we run our race in grace, and when we live for others, no matter where they come from, the world takes notice. It took notice 2,000 years ago, and it'll take notice now. So, my friends, run free. Run with Jesus. Walk with him through it all. Even when you're tired, even when you're worn out, even when it feels like the end of your race, but you're only at mile 10, you've got 16 miles to go. Put one foot in front of the other. Don't run your race in vain, but let it count for something powerful for God's kingdom. Because we know that Jesus is right there at the finish line, and he's waiting for us, and he's ready to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's who we're running for. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We, we look to you for our strength. We look to you when we're worn out, when we're confused. Because of who you are and what you've done, we, can, we don't have to live lives that are in vain. We don't have to live our lives chasing other things that are never going to bring us righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Show us that in our lives. Show me, Lord, where I'm falling short, where I need to trust you more and more. And do the same for my brothers and sisters here, that we won't look back on our lives with regret, but that we'll know that we've run our race for you, that it hasn't been in vain. Thank you, Jesus, for all of your promises, that you walk with us every step of the way, and that you're waiting for us at the finish line. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.